Utah's best sports radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Everybody ready? It's Thirsty Thursday. Happy Thursday. Let's get rolling. This is the Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Jake Scott with you from our Vivint Smart Home Arena studios. Austin Horton across the glass from me. And safely social distancing from Casa de Monson, the one, the only, Gordon Monson. Gordon, hello. How are you, Jake? I'm good, but can you do me a favor? What? Can you be just a tad more elaborate on how you are so I can put my microphone cover onto my microphone? Well, I was born in the year, maybe I give the full story, you know, and and uh, a day-by-day account. Okay, I'm back. Of... I'm, I'm back. <laughs> and you. we're out of time. Thank you for, for doing <laughs> that. I apologize. I, I, I was a chatty Cathy with Hanson Scotty and did not put my microphone cover on, which, of course... Is important, uh, as you know. So how are you, Gordon? Honestly, you doing well? Good day? I'm, I did something today that I haven't done for five and a half months. Hmm. Let me, wait, can we, should we play? <laughs> Bathed. Should we, should we play guessing game on this? Should we? Yeah, you can guess if you want. Go ahead. That's hmm, fine. Something five and Gordon. a half months. Well, we been. know it's not smoked a cigar. No, no. Five and a half months. Let's see. Let's see. Now, do you puff on a cigar or do you, do you inhale on <laughs> uh, you uh, Okay, I got it. I think, I, I think I've got it. What? Went and uh, shot a little crap at the state line. Nope. Okay. Not it. What is the state line Not now? It. That one's the, is that the, the Mon- there's like the Montego Bay out there, I think. The Peppermill? Peppermill's still there. The Nugget is one. Anyway, you uh, went to the mailbox. Nope, not it either. You drove uh, a different car. You, uh, I did. I did drive a car, but that's not the answer. You reconnected with Juice. Nope, none of the. Come on, give me something good. Hmm. You brushed your teeth. <laughs> Oof! For the first time in five and a half months. Oof! I mean, you're due so. <laughs> All right, honest answer. I'm honest answer. I'm guessing haircut. Yep, that's what it was. All right, how's it looking? How are you feeling? No, I don't know. Sharp? I feel. I look feel a little cleaner, you know, because it was getting out of control there. But who uh, cut it? Did you cut it? No, 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 no. You got one of those flow flowbies and uh, cut it yourself, did you? Can you do that? How, how's that? Do you work? not know what a flowbie is? 
No, I don't. It's the hair clippers attached to a shop vac. I remember it. It was a it was a thing in what like the early '90s, somewhere in there. They use it in space. Do they? Yeah, oh, wow. that's pretty hilarious. Because they don't want all that hair floating around. Yep. Mm-hmm. So where'd you go, Gordon? With the uh, with the buzz cut? No, just high and tight, hair. flat top. You flat yeah. top. I told you guys about the time that my dad thought it was a good idea to give me a flat top, and this was. This was at a time when, when longer hair was in style or was be, coming to be in style. My dad says, I'll give you a flat top. And what do I know? I, mean, I was quite young. I said, okay, Dad. So he has this little attachment he puts on. So he's got, he's got it looks like the top of an aircraft carrier. It's going for a while. But uh, then he trimmed up around the back. And then when he went to uh, clean it up across the top, he forgot to put the attachment back on. And went straight down the middle, and I had a reverse mohawk. And I think I told you guys it scarred me because uh, then he had to sh- he kind of had to razor off the rest of it, and that was not the style at the time. Do you uh, but, do you Gordon have a widow's peak? Austin, did you have a? I or, did. Or you yeah. did back in your your hair days. I used to, I used to uh, shave it though because I hated it. I have a little bit of one, uh, probably more of one now than I did. But I remember when my brother. My brother decided to go with a buzz cut one summer when he was, you know, like 10 or 12. So he'd had hair for a while. And just the most, like, to the point widow's peak, he looked like Eddie Munster. <laughs> <laughs> it, was some, it was something else. It was awesome. Did your dad uh, ever send you back to the barbershop because the, uh, the, the the job wasn't quite as comprehensive as it needed to be? No. My uh, my mother cut my hair all growing up. Did she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got sent back to the barber, Jake, because uh, I, I, <laughs> I I went to get I was quite young, but I went to the – and I said, just trim it a little, little bit. And my dad decided my hair at that point was too long. So he sent me back. Things have it, it, nowadays. Any hairstyle is in style, isn't it? Wait, can I ask you something real quick? Did your Did your dad actually utter the phrase "cut your hair, hippie"? <laughs> get a haircut. A, get, get a, a job. <laughs> get a haircut, hippie. And I said, "Please almost, tell me that sentence." Came almost, almost cut my hair. Happened just the other day. All right, that's a. Get a haircut and get a real job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it, it went in that order. Exactly. Okay. So I got I got that done, but but at least none of us is uh, B.J. Foster. Did you hear what what B.J. Foster did? What did he do? He's a defensive back for University of Texas. And he was taking care of some business, whatever. He came back to his car, and someone had bumped into his bumper and damaged it Mm -hmm. and not left a note. So uh, what did uh, Foster do in response to that? He punched his bumper Hmm. and broke his hand. That seems like should have thought that went through maybe. Well, I mean, it's like it's like anybody. Have you ever hit a bad golf shot, slammed your club down, and hurt? Your, have you ever done anything that was unsatisfactory to you, and then followed it up with another dumb mistake? I have. Ooh. That's happened. <laughs> what do you do? 
what you do. Oh, I've thrown a golf club or two back, back more so back in the day than. Yeah, than but did it bounce back and hit you? I mean, what was the second? What was the secondary mistake? Ah, uh, well, it got stuck in a tree on one occasion. <laughs> oh, it was a putter. And your dad made you go get it, didn't he? No, there was no, go, no. there was no going to get it. In fact, it it stayed up there for a long time, like a couple of years, long time. And every time you played that golf we, hole, we, you saw it. We spotted it, yeah. We did. But we were not going to back it, to your point, we were not going to back that up with a second mistake like trying to throw another club up there to get it. <laughs> okay. Good move. Or right. climbing said tree. Yeah. Or th- oh, that was out. Breaking yeah. your hip. It was quite high. Well, this wasn't Foster's fault. I mean, somebody bumped into his car and didn't. Don't, and, and this ever happened to you? That, that's his bad form. Come I, on. I've been you, on the other end a couple of times where I've back in, backed into somebody and I've left a note. Yeah. So leave a note. Come on. Yeah, it's just the. It's just so why, punches, that's why Gordon has this philosophy. Parking stall lines are merely suggestions. <laughs> exactly. So Foster punches his bumper and breaks his hand. Wow. That's too bad. I mean. Who was it? Who player was it who who punched a uh, uh, like a, uh, a fire extinguisher case? It was Amare Stoudemire when he Amare played for the Knicks. That's right. Oh my god! Wasn't it like yeah. the Knicks' only half decent season in the last yep. twenty years, and it was derailed? No, like severed an artery, yeah. and had to have What's surgery. That? It was in the playoffs, right? Yep. Yeah. And then Ennis Cantor slammed his hand on that that, that chair. Oh right, that and one, broke his uh, forearm. That one was on TV. Yes, it was. Yeah. Well, and there was always the boozer mystery, where he got a boxer's fracture somehow by tripping on a gym bag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I once, yeah, I once punched a microwave because of A.J. Przinsky. I've shared that story, though. I've thrown why, my phone. Why did you punch the microwave? <laughs> did it end up in the toilet? No, no. But I've, I've <laughs> certainly thrown my phone. That's happened. What about you, Gordon? What's your what's your uh, your rage story? Hmm. I, I've never hurt myself. Uh, I've got to have done something stupid on the golf course. That, that's that's got to have happened. I it wasn't it wasn't out of rage. It was out of lack of skill. But I once snapped the head of my driver off and. What do you mean it was by rage but lack of skill? Like you hit the ground really hard during the uh, swing? Yeah, it was on. It was. It was. It's hard to explain, but uh, a friend of mine had this this tee that was sort of a trick tee, and it was like almost tubing. And I hit the hosel on the t- on the tube, and it snapped the head of the driver off. You golfing with Charlie Chaplin? What do you mean a, a trick tee? <laughs> Well, I just want to know that that story that that has nothing to do with what we were talking about. I know, I I, I know. Well, we I, didn't bring it up. I, I have never, I have never gotten angry. Think, man. I don't think I've ever gotten so angry that I did something where I did severe damage to myself. Uh, Typical perfect Monson. No, I'm going to kill Matt Schaub. I'm going to kill him. The Mary Poppins of sports radio. Practically perfect in every way. Never remember, gotten mad and done anything before. Remember that ever. story about that golfer who, uh, I, I think he was uh, he was angry about something. He slammed his uh, his uh, 
his club against his cart or something, and the thing bounced back and stabbed him in the heart and killed him or something Good like that. Gravy, Gordon. What are we doing? <laughs> Stop it. We're not. Austin and I are not bringing up this stuff. You're. What, what was and you're laughing of, about yeah, it. Yeah, what was the point well, of that? I didn't mean that it was ha ha funny. I meant that it was just kind of really, really unusual. Jeez. <laughs> I <laughs> up tempo record. Uh, yeah, no, right. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, I wasn't mad once, but I, uh, I started. I almost flipped my golf cart once. Again, this because, isn't an example of what we're talking about, though. I know, but I you I being don't reckless have, with a golf cart isn't. Uh, no, you almost well, you being reckless right. with a golf oh, cart. Yeah, excuse well, me, I did, I did the I did the rat patrol thing coming over a hill, and the whole thing went up in the air, and. It, Another time, I was just driving down the fairway, and it was wet, and there was casual water, and I started spinning. But uh, out of anger, not not so much. Like I never threw anything at the TV or anything like that that I can that I can think of anyway. But all right, brother Monson. I think I think BJ Foster yeah, exactly. uh, is regretting the fact that he reacted the way he mm. did. I like this new thing, Poppins Monson. Practically perfect in every way. Never done it. Never done a thing wrong. You know, he'll he'll give you plenty of examples of zany adventures, but never never a mistake. Monson Poppins. Monson Poppins. Oh, when I was in elementary school, I threw I threw a rock once, and I it almost busted out a window at the school. While you were on the safety patrol. Yeah, well, no, I don't think I was on the safety patrol at that particular time. And they let you join it later. Yeah. And wow. I also what a corrupt uh, organization. And then we sang Jim Chimney and went on our way. Well, well I said I, I apologized and went on to New Heights. Let's go fly <laughs> a kite. <laughs> I told you about the dirt bomb fight. Yes. I had on the every day. Again, not something you did out of like you were frustrated or mad. Yeah, but. Uh, See a zany adventure. The patrol but... came and got me. <laughs> You were attacked by like police dogs. What? You got angry when Huey's dog ate your chicken. Oh yeah. You must have yeah, done something probably. then. Yeah, I yelled it at Huey. Okay. Uh, <laughs> That'll I teach I him. I didn't go over and punch him or anything. Anyway, I I, I just saw <laughs> B.J. Foster. Yeah, you know, I bet I bet there are plenty of stories. Have you never uh, punched anything or anyone, Gordon? Probably. Honestly. Yeah, I, I used to be a boxer. Have we heard this claim before? Yeah, you had a speed bag as a kid. Oh, no. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's far from being a boxer. Something collected <laughs> dust in the in the basement. Does not threw, Rocky Balboa make. See, it, nothing was done in anger. It was just done. And it was dumb. Like when I threw the croquet ball over the house and hit my sister in the head. Right. Plenty of zany adventures, but never a mistake or, you know. No, it was a mistake. Any, of any kind. Practically perfect in every way. <laughs> no, it it was not. It was. It was definitely a mistake. I just didn't do it in anger. I did it out of stupidity. And, you know, and same thing when I fired off the cannon at my mom. And it was just done out of stupidity. I wasn't mad at her. She was mad at me. Well, again, see, no mistake. It just. It wasn't your fault. <laughs> it no, was a mistake. No wrong of any kind. Mis- yes, it was wrong. I said it was a mistake. No wrongdoing it was, of it any was sort. A All justifiable behavior, Poppins. I understand. No. Sins I, of I, omission, I not commission. No, it's the exact opposite. It is commission. At least B.J. Foster had an excuse. He was mad. I was just stupid. All right. <clears throat> 
We have a lot to do today. I wonder um, how long he's going to be out. We're going to talk to our friend Sam Amick at the top of the 4 o'clock hour for your daily assist. As uh, the road to return in the NBA continues on, we'll get Sam's thoughts about the latest. Uh, Alema Harrington is going to be on the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. I'm looking forward to talking to, uh, to Alema. I miss seeing him in the old TV studio, Gordon, right down the hall from where I am. I feel like I haven't seen him in a while. Oh, Alema's just a great guy. Yep, absolutely. So he'll uh, join us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Gordon, you have a column up at sltrib.com. In fact, we'll get to that right now on the split story of the day. I know we don't talk a lot of boxing on this show, but over the weekend... I had a speed bag when I was a kid. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I still don't think they've gotten it right until they apologize specifically to Colin Kaepernick uh, or sign him to a team. I, I don't think that they will end up uh, on the right side of history. Uh, at the end of the day, they have listened to their players. They've donated money. They've created an Inspire Change platform. They've tried to do things up until this point. Uh, it's been one player in particular that they have not, or that they've ignored and have not acknowledged, and that's Colin Kaepernick. All right, Gordon, let's talk a, a little bit about your column. And uh, there are other related stories that are in the news that we can get to today, but I figured uh, this would be a good place to start. It's up online at uh, sltrib.com. Gordon, the headline today, Why doesn't everyone act on what they know? If they will, change can happen. Gordon, let's talk about it. Uh, the, the, the basis of the column well, it starts out with the NFL, and essentially Roger Goodell apparently has told all the teams in some kind of video presentation that he's encouraging the players to go ahead and protest and uh, to uh, to let their opinion be known. And there is some conjecture that he might even join in the demonstration. Now, that I'll believe when I see it, but based on what's happened with Colin Kaepernick, through the years, uh, this is uh, this is uh, a real flip, a real switch on the part of the NFL, and it seems inevitable that players, maybe some coaches, are going to uh, show solidarity in this and kneel along with them during the national anthem. Now, when Colin Kaepernick first started doing this, uh, a lot of people had a problem with it. Jake, I think you and I agreed that um, that he was well within his rights to do that. I waffled a little more than you did on that, if I remember correctly. You were you were all for it. Am Absolutely. I representing your opinion yeah. correctly? Yeah. And I I didn't know how to react to it, and I had some issues with it because I always looked at the national anthem as a time before a sporting event for people to uh, kind of get away from what separates them and to think about the good things involved with our country and what unifies them, because there are some good things, but there are some bad things as well. But as time went by, uh, I came to realize what that thing was really about. It wasn't about disrespecting the flag or the anthem or the country or the military. Uh, it was It was about social injustice a very important issue of our day. And 
And I, the more, as the years have gone by, the more I've thought about it, the more I've come over to your side of it, absolutely, completely. And I think a lot of people have done that, and especially lately, there's a whole bunch more who have done it. Now, there might be some holdouts still who feel the way Drew Brees expressed his opinion initially and then took a lot of heat for it. But as far as I'm concerned, I, I, I enjoy the national anthem. And, I, and I've heard it a gazillion times at so many uh, games that I've been to to cover and to enjoy. But I, I have come to an understanding through the years um, that, that this is something that's really important, that needs a message that needs to be heard. And I'm glad to see that others seem to be transitioning as well. Uh, are there still holdouts? I suppose there are, but the whole idea that Colin Kaepernick would be blackballed out of the NFL because he uh, demonstrated his feeling on this is absolutely ridiculous. And I, I know what you're going to say, Jake, that it's a business and that team owners out there didn't want to deal with the protests against the protests, uh, but that's ridiculous too. And if people are going to react that way, then let them react that way. But the owners themselves, this guy should have had a contract in the NFL. And I'm not saying he's anybody's star, but he certainly better has been better through a certain seasons than some of the backups that are employed by teams in the NFL. And so this, this column is more kind of about my transition through this process. But one thing that is absolutely clear to me is that it is a worthwhile cause. It is a message that needs to be sent. And Colin Kaepernick, as controversial as he was initially in this, and I know you're mad at him because he admitted he didn't vote and he made a few mistakes along the way, but I think people will look back at him as as being courageous and conscientious, and that is a flip of opinion as far as uh, the majority of Americans go. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and and here I I want you to direct the conversation a little bit, Gordon, because I I liked your column very much. I, I thought it was I thought it was good. Um, it it felt to me like you were you were speaking from where you mean it the most, you know. And I I thought it was great. I thought you brought up a number of issues, and and even right there, you brought up a number of issues that warrant further conversation. And uh, you know, the simple acknowledgement is is what a lot of this is is all about, and I I think that's a, a good thing on everybody's uh, on everybody's part uh, that we're becoming more aware of this. But let's let's take the the conversation to the next direction. What do you want to talk about? The future of Colin Kaepernick? Do you want to talk about kneeling in sports? Uh, do you want to talk about symbolism? I think we could talk about symbolism a lot throughout the show. I think there are multiple national stories on this topic that involve symbols. That uh, that we could we could really dig into. So so let me ask you: After writing this column, what what's the next discussion you want to bring up? Well, uh, I, well, there's uh, all of that stuff you just talked about is important to continue to discuss. It's not as though any of these things have been solved. Right, I, I, I think agree. It's an ongoing thing, and it should be an ongoing thing. But it's a step by step thing. It's an understanding thing at first understand what Colin Kaepernick was trying to get across, how important that was. And there was so much rejection of it. And there was so much rancor about it uh, at first. 
And obviously, teams around the NFL didn't want to touch the guy. And I know there are some people that are going to come along and say, ah, he just wasn't good enough and all that. B.S. He was good enough. He was good enough to have a backup job somewhere in the NFL. But uh, it's, this transition that I think people are going through uh, is extremely healthy. We're lucky enough to live in a country where if you do something like this, somebody isn't going to come and grab you by the collar and go throw you in a uh, as a political prisoner somewhere. At least I hope that wouldn't happen. Uh, some countries, maybe that would happen. But for us to acknowledge the problem at first and understand what the problem is, understand what the symbolism of the kneeling is, that in and of itself was a major uh, transition that was necessary for many Americans, American sports fans. They booed Colin Kaepernick. Why? Because he wasn't standing for the national anthem. They didn't understand that what he was doing had, was a cry for 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 uh, social equality. Okay. Well, let me let me further the discussion. I guess this way. Then, if we if we want to talk about the kneeling, can you t- can I express to you what I'm concerned about? Sure. Because the message really got lost last time we really had a discussion when this was going on with Colin Kaepernick and the kneeling. The message really got lost in the action itself. And that really frustrated me. All of a sudden, instead of talking about what was being represented, the message and what he wanted to communicate, we were talking about other things that were not at the at the heart of the issue. Stuff got lost. And all of a sudden, the NFL was able to to. Mm, you know, um, the NFL was was able to move on from the issue, which I think yeah. was their goal in the first place. So that that frustrated me. And I worry about that now that we're talking about it now. And I think athletes are motivated about it now. And it sounds like organizations are more on board with them to to express themselves. But I hope the message uh, does not get lost in the process, and I I, I feel We're like past it, that. We're past that. I I think so. I think so too. Except for the 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 Drew Brees thing gave me pause because that popped back up again. Where all of a sudden yeah, we true. got we got caught up in the in the standing, sitting, kneeling aspect of it, and we lost the overall message. And so I I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that's a sign that we're going to forget about it this time. I'm just saying you've already seen it pop up a little bit. You know, I, I think the evolution of how Kaepernick um, decided that he was going to kneel in the first place, I think, was interesting. If you've heard that story, Gordon, and, and you probably have, that he was going to sit for the national anthem. Yes. And then he talked to a veteran who said, you know what, this might be a little bit more respectful, but with the kneel. And that's how that entire action in his circumstance came about, which I think in and of itself is a neat story uh, because that, you know, veteran, and I've heard from others who've talked about First Amendment and these sorts of things or, or why they serve this country. And I think their voices are important in all this as well. And I thought that, see, that's a neat moment that gets lost in the, well, did he kneel? Do you remember the TV coverage where it was like, we'll be back with the kneeling after this, after this <laughs> message brought to you by Charmin. Protect your backside with Charmin. Now back to the kneeling. You know it. it if you've hurt your knee, right? Doctor Scholes can the, help. The message totally got lost. So that's. I, I guess that's why I'm talking about maybe next conversations, Gordon, because I, I appreciated your comment. It brought up so many thoughts. You know. So so what's the next conversation? How do how do well, we keep the message from being lost? I I think when the commissioner of the NFL says 
and and let me back up for a second. When when the George Floyd thing happened, uh, the commissioner did uh, make some statements that sounded good, but he got a lot of pushback because it, it, what he was saying was hollow, and people could see through it. And then he rethought his position. And when he says to the insiders around the NFL, quote, I personally protest with you and want to be a part of the much needed change in this country. That is that sounds more sincere to me. And I I, I'm going to give Roger Goodell some credit and we'll see how his actions follow, uh, which is also very important to keep an eye on as time goes by. But I, I really think he, like a lot of Americans, American sports fans, are coming around to what the real message is, Jake. And that's, that's the heart of what you're talking about. Don't let the real message get lost. I think that whole idea that it was disrespectful to things that people hold sacred in this country, at least some people, uh, that, that I think is making headway. The people are leaving that alone now and understanding what the real core issue is. And that, that somewhere, and I don't know what Colin Kaepernick is saying about this now, but I think he has to feel somewhat justified or gratified that, that pro- progress in attitude is being made here. Would you agree with that? It would seem so. Uh, I Gordon, it would seem so, but I don't know. I, I told you last week, uh, I think it was that uh, you know a lot of this stuff is really generational. A lot of the, there's a there's a lot of work to be done in a lot of areas in this country, and so yeah, I mean we we see some immediate things. Uh, we some some solutions more radical than others. Uh, I mentioned last week some legislation that's already starting to move here in Utah, which I think is a good thing. So. Um, you know, the message is still very, very loud. That's probably a good thing. So I don't I don't know if I can answer that question, Gordon, any better than that. What do you think? I hope it is. I mean, it feels like it is, but we'll see the staying power. When you have millions of people protesting, so people from all walks of life, all backgrounds, all ethnicities out there locking arms, walking in protest, of of all kinds of issues affecting people of color in our country, uh, that that makes me feel like I'm not talking about the violence out there. I'm not talking about the vandalism. I'm talking about peaceful people who want real change. That that uh, I think is really useful, and it makes me hopeful for our future. This thing has been hanging around for a long, long time. Inequality. Social injustice. I mean, this is, I mean, just read the history books. All right. Uh, the ones that tell the truth, anyway. And so now it feels as though maybe this awareness is sinking a little deeper. I certainly hope so. All right. Coming up next, um, there is a sign of change in a major way in sports, and I definitely have some thoughts on it. We'll get to that coming up right around the corner. It's the big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big 
Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Band of the Day today is Bush, selected by me and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. Decided uh, it felt like a little like gloomy 90s alternative rock today, Gordon. <laughs> is that all right with you? That's fine with me, Jake. If, I don't know why. Whatever you're feeling. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. That, thanks. That, that means oh. a lot. And by the way, uh, I have uh, I have a uh, I have a reversal of opinion oh. that you that you Hold sparked in, in my mind. Okay, and uh, I have uh, changed direction. Wow! Because of what you said, but well, something you brought up. I am bracing myself. Yesterday, Jake. Okay. You brought up the players. Now, it, it, there there are sort of specifics involved here that that I I'm not going down the same road that you were. But I have changed my mind about players who don't feel comfortable going to Orlando to play in NBA games for the rest of this season, including the playoffs. I have reversed field. I sort of indicated yesterday that I don't think necessarily that they should be completely paid, uh, that it's different than an injury where they are paid because they're choosing to stay away. But because of the uniqueness of this particular pandemic, because of the way you described it to me, Jake, uh, and I initially resisted, I have changed my mind. I think those guys should be fully paid. Hey, hey, Gordon is on board with something that uh, that I said. It feels pretty good. Uh, uh, that's what I like about you, Gordon. When you come around, you're not afraid to say it. Um, you changed my mind. You brought it up, and you were you thought in some ways it was a way to get guys to keep their big bazoos shut. And I don't know whether that's the case or not. But this is such a unique circumstance, and there's so much uncertainty about it still. And we ain't done with it, folks. We are not done with this thing. I think even if a player informs his team that I don't feel comfortable going and playing in a bubble, that they should be fully compensated. All right. I like it, Gordon. I uh, Well, I... Does I this guess, mean we can go home? Or are, we, can we, are, we are we done? done? <laughs> well, I just at least want the, the concept considered. And, and I think, honestly, I... I guess I, I dug my heels in it on it a little bit because I, I think that a lot of businesses in this community and others, I'm sure, the NBA included, are figuring out the best way to function to make their employees comfortable. I know, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's been an issue here uh, in, in the arena and with the Larry H. Miller Sports and Entertainment. And I personally am very comfortable uh, with the way that uh, that they've provided the opportunity for me to work. But I'll tell you what they've done is they've made sure that I'm comfortable. And I could give you multiple examples. And I, I know that other businesses out there are are battling similar uh, concepts and figuring out the best way to do this to make people comfortable that we can function uh, and and proceed in the best manner for, for everybody. And I know these these talks are being held all over the place. And, you know, when it comes to the NBA, I think that those players that feel that way should be allowed to voice their concerns at very least. And I feel like if you're saying we're not going to pay you if you refuse to play or at least pay you entirely, I do feel like that affects their willingness to speak out in some way, shape or form. And I think their comfortability should absolutely be considered just like 
uh, all of us out here, I guess. And that's what I, I guess that was the ultimate point I was really trying to get across is that, you know, we're all dealing with this thing and companies all over the place are dealing with this thing and how best, how best to move forward as a, as a company. I, I, I feel like I was consistent with that all the way along, Gordon. I was talking about how in, in the union process, I hope these players feel comfortable to voice their opinions and that their opinion be considered because that's the point of the process. And so, I take it a step further and, and say that they should be compensated even if they don't feel comfortable, as though they had been injured. Yeah. And by the way, did you say come across? Oh, I don't know. Come did I, come I agree across? with everything you said, but you said come across. Excuse That's me. That's a Utah thing. I apologize. Come across. I seen uh, it. What's that? I seen it. <laughs> Are we up a crick? Irregardless. Yeah. Anyway, uh, across, so, across, across. Excuse me. No, just a little pet peeve. Uh, well, they're going to have to tackle this challenge one way or another, and I just hope voices are heard. You know, because yes. there are yeah. going to be people, as we've said all the way along, who are not going to be comfortable with this. And how is that dealt well, with? We, we I think is an important thing it. to consider. We kept wondering it, and because you know, when the players' reps voted, it was twenty-eight zero. That's fairly convincing. And remember, we were, we talked about it long ago. We talked about what about the players that don't feel comfortable, and we didn't really hear about them until yesterday. Well, we talked about why Chris Paul was out there whipping votes from the very beginning. I mean, there's it's, there's there's definitely you can tell which direction the players' union is going, and maybe that's the majority of the players. I don't know, but I I do think that everybody's voice needs to be heard that's the point of a union so and and if if somebody refuses to refuses to uh, to play how are you going to deal with that and by just telling them right off the bat you're going to dock their pay i don't know i don't know if that's effective hmm. well the way it was worded was they will not be further penalized as though they will not be fined well, well, of course, not, because not being willing, but then there was the other side of it that they were going to take away some of their pay, and 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 I understand folks out there saying, well, if they don't show up to do their job, then why should they be paid? And that's the nuance to the whole thing: is that they other other and under other conditions, they definitely would be willing to do that. Well, we got a freaking worldwide pandemic hanging over our heads. Well, right, because you're you're balancing. If if a player on a normal everyday Wednesday game night just says to the boss, says, "Hey, listen, I'm not playing," I mean that that player is subject to discipline, right? Because he's contractually obligated unless to play. Uh, unless it's load management. Well, you know, there there in it lies the gray area. But in in this case, I mean, it's not just a player saying. Uh, I refuse to play for no good reason or whatever. This is a player who's bringing up, as you say, a worldwide global pandemic that has a lot of people concerned. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, there. I think their concerns should be should be dealt with. And I don't think that just right off the bat saying you're not going to be paid your full salary, I don't think that's particularly helpful. Well, I gave that a lot of thought. I thought about that off and on since yesterday's show. And the more I considered it, the more I thought Jake is right. All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and pull that drop. That would be terrific. <laughs> I'd agree with you, Gordon, but then we'd both be right. And uh, let's keep keep that forever. So that's that's nice. That's a good way. You know what? The two o'clock hour feeling pretty good today. Yesterday you would have said I agree with you, Gordon, but uh, but uh, then we'd both be wrong. 
Uh, all right. Well, we have lots to get to. Okay. What's going on? Coming up at the top of the three o'clock hour, top of the four o'clock hour, we have Sam Amick. Lema Harrington joins us at five. So stay tuned. It is the big show, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res. A clean home is a healthy home. And right now, Zero Res is cleaning carpets for $33 per room. Plus, schedule three rooms and they'll clean your fourth room for free. Call Zero Res today to schedule your cleaning. Gordon, um, we mentioned your column in the first segment. Uh, it, uh, it's kind of across the news, of course, uh, and certainly the sports news. And a step was taken late. Uh, it broke late in our show yesterday, but a, a step was taken in the world of NASCAR that that honestly surprised me. And uh-huh. you want to talk about uh, progress in these uh, uh, these situations that are so atop the headlines and that you wrote about today and, and uh, social injustice. Well, NASCAR announced yesterday that they will no longer allow the Confederate battle flag at any of their properties or their races. And um, th- I, I think this is a, a good step. And I have many, many thoughts as to why and what's uh, what's gone into it, Gordon. But I have a little familiarity with that part of the country. Uh, as a kid, I briefly lived in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, but I've been going back to North Carolina and Virginia uh, throughout my life every, uh, pretty much every single year. And um, I, I don't know if people around here know how how common it is still to see the Confederate battle flag in certain parts of this country. I mean, that is, it's not a, you know, these aren't, uh, the, the crowds that attend a lot of these NASCAR events are not necessarily people that are, that are uh, political activists smuggling in the Confederal ba- uh, Confederate battle flag just to get it on TV. I mean, it's, a, it's still a part of the culture in certain parts of this country. And NASCAR financially benefits from a lot of that, like that's a lot of NASCAR's uh, viewership, uh, the people that go to NASCAR races. And I, I certainly don't want to generalize, but that's that's a big chunk of their audience, uh, at least in certain markets. Right. So by by doing this, they're going to cost themselves some money. I mean, that's that's going to happen. They're going to cost themselves viewership. And uh, they're, this is not, at least in the short term, going to benefit NASCAR. And so I, I applaud them for doing it because it, it honestly and we can get into the meaning of that flag, Gordon, and 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 that sort of thing. But right now uh, and and probably way, way overdue that certain symbol. And I, we, I said we were going to talk about symbols today, but that that certain symbol is is something that does not need to be commonplace, certainly in our sports landscape. Yes, I, uh, I know a person of color who used to live in Virginia and would drive past every day, would drive past a huge Confederate flag that was flying uh, next to the freeway. And I said, did it make you feel uncomfortable? And he said, yes. Of course. And uh, so, yeah, the fact that NASCAR is making this step, uh, good on them. uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Did you see the response of uh, NASCAR driver Ray Siccarelli? Yeah, decided to uh, boycott and not race, and that's... He said he's hanging it up. This was this was on his uh, Facebook post. 
He said, well, it's been a fun ride and dream come true, but if this is the direction NASCAR is headed, we will not participate after the 2020 season is over. I don't believe in kneeling during the anthem because that's another step that NASCAR had done, uh, had okayed that. Uh, that's just my commentary. And he goes on, nor taking uh, people right uh, to fly whatever flag they love. I could care less about the Confederate flag, but there are people that do. And it doesn't make them a racist. All you are doing is expletive one group to cater to another. And I ain't spend the money we are to participate in any political BS. So everything is for sale. This guy has never won a race, by the way. He's uh, He drives trucks, too, truck number 49. But he says he's done. He, he doesn't like NASCAR saying we're not doing the Confederate flag. But I, I, I'm not sure I understand exactly his position. That's uh, a tad bit confusing. Well, can I, let, let's talk about his position for a second, because I certainly have some thoughts on that. And okay. being at least a tad bit familiar with that part of the country, uh, have have given it some thought myself. First of all, NASCAR is a private entity and they can forbid flags and signs all they want. And we see it all the time. For example, I don't uh, I don't see a Nazi flag flying at many NASCAR events. So let's not pretend like this is uncharted territory. But I <clears throat> the Confederate battle flag, it, it it's interesting that it actually survived the Civil War in and of itself, Gordon. It's actually a kind of a comment on First Amendment rights in, in and of itself, because in other countries, when rebellions are quashed, do you think their symbols survive into the future? They don't. I mean, if you're, you're talking about governments putting down rebellions in the past, that is something that is that is fairly unique that that was actually allowed to survive. So let's think about that for a second. And let's let's give uh, a little a little credit maybe to to his argument that it might represent heritage for certain folks. All right. Let's let's give that that thought some consideration for a second. And I thought Ryan McGee of ESPN wrote a really, really great piece of this uh, piece on this. Even if that was at time uh, at some time a message that that flag represented, as you know, Gordon, Meanings behind symbols evolve all the time, and that that particular symbol, that particular flag, the meaning behind it, if there was any good at all ever, was hijacked a long time ago by folks that that uh, used it as a symbol for something else, and that that is when things cross the line. I I I was reading the origin of the uh, the swastika, and it was very much mythological it was it it was to represent the sun or something like that when it initially appeared hundreds and hundreds of years ago but that symbol is hijacked by a, a man a cause a party and that meaning of that symbol changes forever you follow is that and that yeah, that particular re- the meaning behind that flag was hijacked to mean something that that we should not stand for a long long time ago and you know folks can find different ways to be proud of where they've come from find a different way to embrace your your culture and your heritage find a different way to be proud of of where you come from i've got no problem with feeling pride in who you are but just find a different way to express it it's not that hard I'll admit that uh, I discovered what you just said about the swastika when I read the book Da Vinci Code. Really? Uh, yeah, I think uh, there's uh, there's an explanation of that in there. But uh, I agree with you, 
and, uh, and and the fact that this individual felt so compelled that he had to leave the sport because he was angry at NASCAR for allowing people to kneel during the national anthem and was discouraging the flying of that particular flag when that flag represents painful, painful period of time in our country's history. And there might be some other connotation like you were talking about. My mom's from North Carolina. She's a Southern Belle. So I understand uh, some of what you were describing there. But under these circumstances, I don't think there's a place for it. And I applaud NASCAR for its action. You know, it gives uh, me a, a little pride about my family, Gordon. My The Virginia side of my family who has been in that part of the country for a long, long time. Is uh, I never... I never grew up with any sort of Confederate sort of symbolism in that part of my family's culture, which I was always really proud of. And even in their small town where they're from, uh, you know, you don't see a whole lot of Confederate flags. Now you go, you go other places and it's certainly uh, a, a lot more prevalent, but I'm glad that wasn't part of, of uh, that symbolism wasn't part of my family when I was growing up. So, but uh, it, it definitely is a thing in that part of the country. Whether folks want to realize it, uh, want to want to realize it or not, it's, well, it's definitely a thing. Do you do you like beach tacky shopping? Tacky beach shopping. Do you know what I'm talking about, Gordon? I'm sure you do. Those little beach shops that are in every community where you oh, walk sure. in and everything. I mean, yeah, I know of what you speak. Everything you know. costs like two bucks, and there's like obnoxious t-shirts and towels and stuff <laughs> like that. You know, you go into those beach shops in North Carolina, and you would be surprised how much stuff they're still putting Confederate flags on. Mm-hmm. Like, it's amazing. I go through there and I look and I'm, I think to myself every time, like, I can't believe this still exists. That's remarkable. And yet well, and yet NASCAR draws a line. I, I applaud them for it. Good for them. Yeah, I do, too. And uh, again, the symbolism. Right. The power of the symbolism. And uh, with family in North Carolina, this would be an interesting discussion for me to have uh, down there. I, I, I'll have to put that on my list to have that discussion with them. Um, but there are holdouts. There are people, for whatever reason, who want to hold on to that symbol, and it's too painful. And has has our country been through uh, much, many more things that were uh, exceeded the pain of the Civil War? Oh, I, mean, I would I would say what, no. Six, maybe seven hundred thousand people, die, Americans died in that war, and it's, in a really uh, bloody way too. Yeah, it's yeah. not good. No, and I that, mean, and that was the symbol of of uh, rebellion, and of course, to people of color in this country, that flag makes them uncomfortable. Many of them. I, I'm not speaking for everybody. I've had this conversation with a few people of late, and they said that uh, they just shake their head. And uh, this one individual that I was talking to, who who is from Atlanta. Uh, he, he, uh, recently moved to Utah and I asked him, I, I asked him about how comfortable he felt in Utah because of the relatively small, uh, minority population in this state. And he said, it's been an absolute dream so far relative to his experience growing up in the South. Now I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and condemn everybody in the South, but I'm just going off of what his experiences have been down there and, it was, it was pretty shocking. Some of the stories he was telling, straight up, honest, uh, not no embellishment, but real symbols of of uh, inequality. Say it that way. 
and that's what that that's what that flag brings to mind for me. Uh, and I have family from the South, so. All right, we'll have more coming up next. It is the big show. We'll get what's going on uh, straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone.